Welcome to J.P. Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Joe. There's plenty to talk about. I think the first thing on the uh, list of things to talk about is to figure out what the heck is happening in the global economy. There's very little doubt, and we've been expecting it, that the global economy is slowing sharply this quarter. But we are also forecasting this slowing to be pretty short-lived. And in fact, if you look at our GDP forecast, we're 2.7 in Q1, which is pretty much trend growth, be the weakest of the quarter. We got something about six in the previous quarter and something not far from six next quarter. So it's a it's a slow growth sandwich around two very strong quarters. It's a pothole. So, I call it a sandwich, Joe. We don't use the word pothole anymore. <laughs> the, um, the question is, um, how well are we tracking the slowdown? And perhaps more importantly, how confident are we that this thing is going to turn around? So I'll let you riff on that for at least uh, a minute. Not too much longer, please. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think, you know, we had a lot of concerns that Omicron was going to pose a, a threat to the to the near term. And we had even kind of contemplated the idea that U.S. could contract this quarter at one point. Um, I think what we're seeing now is, is you're right to point out, you're definitely seeing evidence of a deceleration. But what I've been more encouraged by is a sense of resilience. So just firstly, on the on the deceleration point, um, you know, the, the, the PMIs came out this week, both the manufacturing and services. And those were, I mean, legitimately pretty, I mean, ugly might be strong, but they were they were disappointing and, and they fell. In fact, both manufacturing and services fell. We had thought services would be the one that would be harder hit by Omicron. That did happen. Services fell a lot more than manufacturing. But both of them fell quite a bit, and I think more than we were expecting. And actually, both are now at an expansion low, which is kind of a little a little striking. So that certainly has us a bit worried. We continue to fill in data on December, which is a bit more backward looking, but that's pretty ugly too, like the European news on retail sales and IP. Those are all pretty much on on the soft side. So all of that is the, the, the concerning part. The stuff that's more resilient is simply that, you know, businesses look to still be hiring. Obviously, today's payroll report was gangbusters and, and really takes out what could have potentially been an ugly report. Wages are doing uh, are doing well. We're seeing um, in, in, uh, in Europe, the f- factory order sales data out of Germany are still quite strong. The autos data is strong. Trade numbers out of Asia aren't great, but they're also not showing an Omicron disruption. So you put all of that together, and I think you have a picture of... of welcomed resilience that support this sense that things will get back on track in a world where we have very strong fundamentals. I agree with that. I'd like to make one caveat point here, which is I think you're 100% right to say the U.S. employment report was strong in terms of jobs. That was impressive. But you had a fall in the work week. You had a fall in hours worked on the month. So I think from a, a pure growth accounting perspective, uh, there's a real sense of, uh, of weakness in the month. I think the point you're making, though, is right. It's not coming from weaker labor demand. It's coming from supply disruptions where people couldn't get to the uh, to their workplace during the month. So yeah, that sense that businesses are still hiring, uh, and and that's the important part. That this is going to be a transitory kind of pothole, if I can use that word. So encouraging report, I think. Okay, we're not supposed to use the word pothole, Joe. But um, so let's ask this question, which is uh, um, 
how easy is it for uh, us to forecast what happens next on inflation? You know, that to me is one of the more struggling parts. We had a we had a, a December inflation report, which was you know kind of on the lower side in um, in the in the space of the last few months, and then we come in and we get this big euro area upside surprise this week. I mean, what what's your kind of feeling? I don't have a strong conviction now on what we see over the next month or two. But what are your th- what are your thoughts on what happens to inflation next? I, I think it's a theme we've been pushing for a while, and I'm definitely comfortable with it. That it's gonna it's gonna come off here, but probably ride a little bit higher than what we were expecting, um, right? So I mean, we had inflation falling down to about three and a half percent from the over six percent uh, from last quarter. I would say things are probably tracking a little higher than that. Um, I think maybe there's some upsides. It's going to depend a lot on the energy market, oil, natural gas, and that has a lot of elements of geopolitics and weather in it. So it's hard to forecast either of those. Um, You know, clearly the core is the the thing we want to be focusing on. And um, yeah, it is a bit of a mixed bag because you saw some some pullback there as we moved into December. And then the euro area was a pretty darn big upside surprise. I think core CPI Probably surprised by eight tenths on an OYA basis, which is a big, a big miss. Huge, huge surprise, and yeah. that obviously takes us into the ECB here. And yep. uh, you know, we have been pushing our forecasts earlier. We've been kind of, you know, starting to recognize that the ECB's got some elements of similarity to what we're seeing in the U.S. with labor market tightening, um, and then we get this big inflation surprise, and the ECB comes in and. Uh, they clearly uh, pivot as well here. Uh, so why don't you take us through uh, what we learned and what our forecasts are now on what we think. The- I mean, the way I've been characterizing the Fed for a while, I think you can characterize all central banks, which is they've got these kind of risk biases around their effective dual mandates of, of kind of the growth employment side of things and the inflation side of things. Obviously, the ECB does not have a dual mandate, but you know they care about both growth and they care about inflation. And I think it's about risk biases and balancing risks between these two. And what we've had happen in the in the past, you know, probably six to eight weeks is that you know, the growth picture, I think, continues to show some resilience. Yes, there's the Omicron wave, but there's no doubt that they're going to be taking some sense of encouragement uh, in terms of what they're seeing on the ground the same way we just went through. And then on the other side, you've got the inflation prints, which just keep surprising to the upside. And this was a monster surprise to the upside. So that against a backdrop of the same message everywhere in the world, if you feel like there are some global factors at work, you know, you can't ignore that. So it's no surprise that all central banks are starting to shift that risk bias. The ECB was uh, is now a part of that. I think we've been saying for a few weeks now that they're going to get pulled into this vortex. The gravitational pull of this normalization path uh, is is, is going to pull the ECB in. And I, I think we got that surprise this week. So we now look for them to be hiking in December. We have 75 hikes the, in 23. 75 and- basis points of hikes, not 75 hikes. 
sorry, so, yes, <laughs> yeah, not seventy-five hikes. Uh, seventy-five basis points of hikes in uh, in twenty-three and another in uh, twenty twenty-four. So uh, more more aggressive moves there. Although I will say, Bruce, and you you're certainly partial to this as well. We're nowhere near putting the brakes on in terms of moving into restrictive territory. So there's probably a lot more work that needs to be done, at least from our global point of view. Yeah, and I think. Let, and let me let we'll end on this note. I think the idea that the shifts that are taking place now may be uh, a reflection of risk biases as inflation is higher is certainly uh, relevant and probably important for the ECB this week. But I think the way I would look at the world is that inflation is going to come off as we as you described earlier, but that's not likely to take the pressure off central banks because what you're going to see in the spring and summer, is even as inflation comes off, you're going to see growth be quite strong. And hopefully some of that is Omicron fading and allowing for greater normalization in service sector. And you're going to see labor markets continue to tighten. And it's not, um, you know, you know, it's not unimportant here that the uh, euro area unemployment rate is down to 7% at the end of last year. It's almost down a percentage point over the last six months. Uh, it's not quite as rapid as the U.S., but it's pretty rapid. And uh, we are, I think, uh, beginning to worry about broader senses of overheating uh, in a world in which if we're right, we get strong growth and continue tightening. So that that story starts to replace the potential uh, for the uh, inflation pressures to come off a little bit and keeps the, the, the movement on. And as you said, we don't have any central bank actually forecasted by the market through the end of next year to have their policy rate above the market's uh, expectations for inflation. And that, you know, that is a pretty significant story in a world in which unemployment rates in the DM are expected to be below 50 year uh, at 50 year lows um, uh, when we're sitting here at the end of this year going into next year. So that is the story. We're on the move with central banks. We're on the move with our forecasts, of course. And we're on the move on JP Morgan TV, where we hope to be able to continue the conversation uh, next week. Thank you very much.